Welcome to American Dissident Voices. I'm Kevin Alfred Strom. I wrote and broadcast the first version of my expose of Martin Luther King Jr. in 1993. So I've been calling out this operative of our enemies for 30 years now. Our current flyer, No King Over Us, is based on my 1994 revision of that program and is still being mass-distributed today. We expose King as an adulterer, a communist, a willing tool in the war on white America, a liar, a plagiarist, and a serial abuser of both women of his own race and of white women. And as the years go by, the National Alliance is proved to be right about King again and again and again. I call King a plaster saint, and as more formerly sealed and hidden information on King continues to come out, that description is proved more and more apt. A few years ago, we were able to see for the first time the FBI memos on the agency's surveillance of King, showing that he encouraged the rape of a woman in his presence, laughed about it as it took place, and then encouraged further rapes when the first one was over, all the while acting lighthearted and casual about it, as if he had witnessed or participated in the same sort of thing many times before, which he probably had. In 2027, the FBI's recordings themselves are scheduled to be released. So, the more careful and far-seeing among the anti-whites are starting to de-emphasize, even ditch, King. In 2019, a multiracialist academic named Jason Miller, professor of English at North Carolina State University, wrote an article for The Conversation titled, I'm an MLK scholar, and I'll never be able to view King in the same light, in which he explained why he was canceling his upcoming studies on King finding his degeneracy and abuse of women just too much to stomach. He said, quote, The most damaging memos describe King witnessing a rape in a hotel room. Instead of stopping it, handwritten notes in the file say he encouraged the attacker to continue. Agents knew that King and a group including Baltimore pastor Logan Kurse were going to be staying at the Willard Hotel in January 1964, days before he ever arrived. By bugging the room, they were able to listen in on King and at least 11 others as they participated in what the FBI memos describe as an orgy on January 6th. 1964. The microphones also picked up activities from the night before, when Curse, who died in 1991, allegedly sexually assaulted one of his parishioners. According to the memos, 
King was in the room. The handwritten note indicates that King didn't just observe the assault. He laughed. Worse, instead of trying to stop the incident, the memos say King apparently offered advice to the perpetrator, encouraging the abuse. Others might try to argue that abuse precedes abuse, and that the long legacy of slavery still informed the actions of these revered black clergy, who subconsciously became like their oppressors. This legacy, of course, often included white men raping black women and sometimes disowning their children. But I don't think any filter of rationalization can soften this portrait of King. I'm not prepared to wait eight years, and I've halted my two scholarly projects about King. I've also started thinking about what happens next. What will the next Martin Luther King Jr. Day celebrations look like? Will other details emerge? Will more women come forward? Will community centers, schools, and streets need to be renamed? Will statues come down, or will they remain and give fodder to those who justify keeping Confederate monuments? King espoused nonviolence. If these memos are true, such a stance feels hypocritical. The narrative has just changed, and if scholarship and true biographical research matters at all, one thing is clear. These FBI memos may have forever damaged King's legacy. Close quote. A multiracialist white attorney in North Carolina named Paul F. Petrick so negrophilic he even joined the NAACP, published an op-ed last year, openly calling for the abolition of King Day, saying, quote, One of history's great ironies is that King was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize the same year he aided and abetted rape. Unfortunately, his famous insistence on nonviolence did not extend to his personal life. But his public life is something worth celebrating, and the streets, schools, and monuments named in his honor should remain. The tapes may even add to the canon of King's famous utterances engraved in the granite wall surrounding his D.C. memorial. But the federal holiday honoring his birth is a different story. A society constantly raising monuments and renaming buildings as it attempts to conform the past to the present is sick. But a society that honors the birthday of a sex criminal is even sicker. Close quote. I've seldom read a more schizoid piece. Petrick thinks that King Day should be gotten rid of, but also thinks that the communist sex abuser's life is something worth celebrating. He thinks that his monuments should still stand, 
and he even, it's really hard to wrap my mind around this one, thinks that the FBI tapes to be released in 2027 could add to the canon of King's famous utterances engraved in the granite wall surrounding his memorial. (laughs) So they're going to engrave, get your ass over here, I got a white bitch for your entertainment or the like on his monument. Such are the depths to which America has fallen. The good thing is that it's all so obvious now that almost everyone, except brain-dead conservatives, can see it. In a piece by Richard Houck, we learn that, quote, MLK was little more than a convenient avatar a ventriloquist dummy through which his Jewish puppet master, Stanley David Levison, waged war against his host nation. Levison influenced King to the point of ordering him to say nothing without his prior approval. This is no mere coincidence. Jews were well entrenched in the civil rights movement. Thousands of Jews marched with King from Selma. Jewish lawyers and Jewish money were prominent in staffing and funding civil rights organizations. And Jewish House member Emanuel Seller introduced the Civil Rights Act of 1964, which decreed that privately owned businesses could not discriminate on the basis of race. The Fair Housing Act of 1968, which ruled that whites-only neighborhoods were illegal. And finally, the Immigration and Nationality Act of 1965, which flooded our nation with aliens from whom we could not legally separate due to the other two acts. All of these huge assaults on white society were aided by King and his Jewish handlers. Someone who worked closely with communists, as an apparatchik himself, a semi-literate plagiarizer, a degenerate reprobate who spent his spare time in drunken orgies, an abuser of women, All these are accurate descriptions of King. Yet, as a nation, we decided that he was worthy to join the ranks of George Washington and Christopher Columbus, and that his life was worth reflecting upon in the same manner as Thanksgiving, Memorial Day, and Christmas. Close quote. The plaster is cracking everywhere we look. It may look solid if you're a big media consumer and know little beyond what Ellen and Oprah and CNN and all the rest of the liars tell you. It may look solid if you use nothing but Jewish sites like Google and Facebook to get your information. Most of the controlled media are still putting out Garbage and lies promoting King. They still advise readers of their websites and Sunday supplements to attend all the various 
king events in their areas. They still write increasingly shrill editorials, insisting that Mr. Subversive Rape Enabler was doing the work of God, as a Colorado Springs Gazette article actually claimed. They'll trot out Jew or Jew-trained feminists and blacks who will try to explain away the new evidence and pump up the old king-as-saint lies one more time. But even the trained seals of academia and the media are starting to defect. The cracks are getting wider. The National Alliance Exposé of King, still available as our No King Over Us pamphlet, is being proved right again and again as it now enters its 30th year of publication. Why not wake up a few more thousands yourself by printing it and getting it into the hands of your friends and neighbors? Telling the truth about this icon of anti-white hate is fun and inspiring, and so is winning, which we're doing. As I said in a previous broadcast, St. Martin was a Jewish-funded, Jewish-controlled puppet of nearly the worst character imaginable and was not only working to destroy white America, but was also a betrayer of his own people, who sold out their independence and self-determination for filthy Jewish money, and led them to the path of death through integration. When just a small part of the FBI on King was released in 2017, among its conclusions were that King was surrounded by advisors with strong links to organized communism, just as the National Alliance told you 30 years ago. MLK's statements were always subject to approval by communist operatives, especially his main handler, Jewish communist Stanley Levison, just as the National Alliance told you 30 years ago. MLK was a secret supporter of communism, a whole-hearted Marxist, just as the National Alliance told you 30 years ago. His organization, the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, set up a tax dodge to raise funds for its activities and conceal Jewish communist sources, just as the National Alliance told you. 30 years ago. MLK was unfaithful to his wife and had sexual liaisons with numerous females, including part mestizo, part white folk singer Joan Baez, just as the National Alliance told you 30 years ago. King took part in drunken sex orgies involving both black and white prostitutes, coerced young women to take part in unnatural acts and initiated them into illicit or perverted sex if they were hesitant, just as the National Alliance told you 30 years ago. 
The report states that King's advisors and handlers, led by King's communist Jew ghostwriter Stanley Levison, approved everything King said in advance. King is such a slow thinker. He is usually not prepared to make statements without help from someone, it reads. So, let's get active. To start, watch or download the video of my 1994 broadcast that I will embed in the text version of this broadcast on nationalvanguard.org. To download it to your own hard drive, just right-click on it and then save the MP4 file to the folder of your choice. And if you have access to streaming audio sites, download the audio version of my 1994 broadcast, which I'll also embed, and share it on every audio site you can, as well as on social media. Then, download and print out our excellent No King Over Us flyer on King, and print out a few hundred copies and distribute them. The direct link is embedded in the text version of this show. But if you're driving and listening, just remember to go to natall.com slash flyers. And it's easy to find there. It's easy to remember, too. Natall, N-A-T-A-L-L, dot com slash flyers. And I'll also embed instructions on how to fold the No King Over Us flyers, pamphlets, really, if you print them yourself. The truth is powerful. Courage is contagious. As the shameful King holiday approaches, and even in the week following, get out there and do the honorable thing for your people. Until next time, remember the words of Richard Berkeley Cotton. Freedom is not free. Free men are not equal, and equal men are not free.